through the one-year Bible and we're preaching out of the, that context. And so wanted to talk today about the salvation equation. And, uh, you, you know, this past week, I don't know how I got into this thing. I think I was watching a news report and talking about the tax code of the United States. And I, I realized that the tax code of the United States is 75,000 pages big. Now, a ream of paper is 500 pages, and it's about that, you know, what a ream of paper looks like. So you can imagine what the tax code looks like. It's got to be complicated. You can't have 75,000 pages of anything without it being complicated. So I think the tax code is complicated, and, you know, um, I'm all for doing away with income tax. How about you? <laughs> but... But, but I like my roads and bridges, and I like the military, and I, I like to be in a safe place. And so, I, God bless America, and thank God for income tax. I suppose I don't know. All of my income tax that I've ever paid in my entire life probably wouldn't keep the United States in rubber bands for one day. But anyway, I'm doing my part. How about you? And so things are complicated. Somebody one time said, "Simplicity is genius," and I believe that's so. And so, when Jesus came to this earth. And we love Jesus. He, he, he really simplified things between God and man. He really did. He said, choose me. I'm God. You're not. If you'll choose me, you'll be one with God. We'll be reconciled. Everything will be right. But as usual, men, mankind, people kind of get mixed up in this thing. And anytime you've got people, you've got complexity. It's amazing how we can com complicate matters. You know, girlfriend, boyfriend, complicated. Man and wife, complicated. Come on now. Kids up in the house, complicated. School, complicated. Government, complicated. Church, I refuse for it to be complicated. <laughs> we got to have at least one simple place in our life. And so it, it comes along, then Satan mixes with people. He's real. Don't ever think he's not. And he brings all the, this confusion and pollutes God's authentic truth with lies and it gets all mixed up and then people don't know which way to go into, don't know what's real and what's not. And when it comes to things like religion and what's going on in the world, people you know, lose track of what's happening. You know, in the banking world, when people are taught about counterfeit, they don't take them to a school and show them 15 different types of counterfeit money. They just teach them about the real thing. And because they, they are so acquainted with the real thing that when the counterfeit thing comes, they recognize it. Over the years, I've been asked many times, you know, have you studied this world religion or that world religion? And what about this one? And, and my answer is always the same. No, I'm too busy studying about Jesus rather than all of these world religions that have so much error in them. I want to know the truth. And if I know the truth, the truth will set me free. And if I know the truth, I don't have to worry about the error. Come on now. Is that right? So if you all enthralled in all the fake stuff and all the lies and all the religious things and you all up in that thing, I, I would just suggest to you as your pastor that you get on out of that and let's get up in the truth and let's see what's happening. Because false religion, really what it says, it says that you've got to have Jesus plus something for salvation. And let me tell you this, can I just, right at the very beginning of this message today, it is Jesus plus nothing that equals salvation. And we'll clarify all that for you, all right? Now, 
false religion. You know what it seeks to do? It seeks to undermine the grace of God, and then it places an emphasis on what men must do in order to earn the grace of God. Grace can never be earned. Get this in your hearts, you who are not yet believers and you who have been believers for a long time. Grace cannot be earned. Grace is a gift that is freely given to every man, woman, boy, and girl who wants it. It's free. And most of the time when you get something free, it's junk. You ever notice that? People give stuff away like, it's free. It's It's just pure junk. It wasn't even worth the trip to the store, but, but with Jesus, it's worth it. So we're in Colossians chapter two, and what I love about Colossians chapter one, two, and three, if you're just reading your Bible, you, you'll read that there, it's constantly talking about in Jesus, by Jesus, through Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And so in Colossians two, verse one, it says, I want you to know how much I have agonized for you and for the church at Laodicea. This is the Apostle Paul writing. And he says, for many other believers who have never met me personally, I want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love, or we could say unity in relationships. He said, I want them to have complete confidence, to be completely clarified in this thing, that they understand God's mysterious plan, which is Christ himself. That's the plan of God. Christ himself, in him lie all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, in him, in Christ. You know, it's not necessary to seek the things outside of Christ. You know, trying to seek all these, let's seek Christ, let's seek Jesus, and in him is the fullness of life. It's supernatural, folks. You know, it's not just about the mind and saying, Christ Jesus Christ, J-E-S-U-S, J-E-S-U-S. What would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? J-E-S-U-S, yes, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ. It's about Jesus, the person himself, our God incarnate that has come down and embraced us by his grace. This is who we need to know. He is the one we need to have a relationship with and know. See, truth and knowledge are found in Christ because he is truth and knowledge. You understand? He is the the one who possesses everything you need in life to be successful and to make it through. And then in the fourth verse, I'm telling you this, So no one will deceive you with well-crafted arguments. For though I am far away from you, my heart is with you. And I rejoice that you are living as you should and that your faith in Christ is strong. And now just as you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. So faith, God's grace is the gift. His mercy is a gift to you. And that grace is received by faith, which means I don't completely understand it. I don't know exactly how it works, although there are a lot of people got all this figured out, but I haven't figured it out yet. But I do know this, that when God extends his grace to a person, if they will put their faith in him, when grace and faith meet together, there is a revelation 
and an understanding and a reconciliation with God through Jesus Christ. And this is the only hope of glory. This is the only hope of eternal life. There's none other. Christ alone, no others, none other. There's no one else. There's nothing else that can be added or taken away from Christ to make him bigger or better. So it, it, it tells us that there's a, there's a fight to this. The Apostle Paul talked about he fought the good fight of faith. And I can tell you this right now, that, that a lot of people are not willing to fight for anything. They have a mentality that, well, it's, it's free, so that's it. But they fail to understand that there are enemies within our midst, real enemies with real power to steal real truth from a real believer for a real long time. We just turn our backs and we don't think there's anything about this thing. You know, the, the book of Jude, when he wrote the book of Jude, he said, he said I wanted to write to you uh, about uh, some things, but I thought that I should change that and write to you about contending for the faith. In other words, fighting for the faith. And so in the eighth verse of Colossians 2, he says, don't let anyone capture. That's a warfare term, wouldn't you think? That talks about fighting, somebody coming to capture you, to spoil you, to steal treasure from you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from who? From Christ. So what he's saying is that human thinking and the powers of darkness, which are real, by the way, they somehow another team up together to come and steal, kill, and destroy vision in your life concerning the things of God. And many people are losing the battle. Many people who once were on the firing line with God, I mean pressing in, have now slinked back into pleasure and leisure and have just taken the easy ride. I don't know where that's going to end. I'm not God, and I'm surely not a judge. But I can say this, that if you ever was once on fire and you've cooled down, your life doesn't smell as hot as it used to. You know how it is. If you've got a fireplace in your house, you know when that fire is blazing, man, I'm telling you when that draft is working and there's hot fire going is one thing. But then the next day when that fire is just kind of warm underneath and it's then got damp, it starts to smell. Spiritual war is going on. It's intellectual. It's fought in the mind and, and the hearts. It's fought between the powers of this world and the powers of darkness. Let me say this. If we don't realize this, we're tempted to fight with the wrong weapons. We're tempted to use natural weapons and human reasoning. We're tempted to, to get into our emotions and somehow or another try to work it up. You know, I'll say this. Sometimes the most powerful things in your life happen when your emotions are shot. You don't know which way to go. You don't know which way is up, but victory is yours because you're in Christ. Some of the greatest victories just don't have a little dance with them. I thought about worship this morning. I loved it. Wasn't this just great? I mean, all together. But, you know, in my mind, I was thinking, Van, could you do this if you were all alone in a major trial? And, you know, we've taught you for many years that, that simply living for Jesus doesn't guarantee you this wonderful, perfect life. As a matter of fact, we're using all of our energy trying to keep things perfect. Man, that's ludicrous. You talk about complicated. When you're trying to keep, 
keep everything perfect in an absolutely imperfect world with imperfect people and even yourself being imperfect. And so he says this, he says, you know, don't let him capture you with empty philosophies. So let's talk a little bit about philosophies here. Or, or let's, let's talk about, you know, human thinking, because that's what philosophy is. It's just how we think. And everybody's got a philosophy. Some of you got a philosophy about how to clean house. Some of you have philosophies about material things. Some of you have philosophies about what relationships. We all got our philosophies. But some philosophies are good, and then, but, but when they're substituted, when, when we deem them necessary for salvation, because we're talking about the salvation equation, when we start taking philosophies and making them doctrine, well, then we find ourselves in a whole lot of trouble. And we get complicated. By the way, most people love complication. I mean, most people love complication. You know why? Because there's not a burning hot truth right there in front of you. But when it gets simple, when we simplify it, it's so much easier to see the truth in which way we ought to go. So philosophies, you know, uh, can I say this? That no one's a perfect Bible scholar. I've never met anybody. I've never read anybody. I don't think everybody knows everything. I don't think there's one person who's got it all down pat. You know, they know everything that's going to, they know the end times. They got it figured down to the last hair on the red heifer's back. You know what I mean? I mean, they got it figured down to the last thing. And I mean, they know everything, how Jesus is coming, what's going to happen, what it's going to be like. They got all eternity planned out forever and ever and ever. And, and I sit and I feel like a dummy because I'm thinking, I don't really know exactly how God's going to do this. When God says, uh, I'm not slack in my promises, but I'm, I'm, I'm patient and I'm waiting for everybody to get saved, but everybody's getting born at the same time people are dying and getting saved and being lost and backsliding and coming to God. And, 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 and then I say, God, I don't know. How, what's the time that you pull the trigger on everything? For instance, the Jews had this. The, the Jewish leadership had this thing about circumcision. I mean, they were, they, they were into this circumcision. Now, you know this, when God called Abraham, who is considered the father of faith, he told Abraham, he said, I want you to circumcise every male. And that will be a sign of my covenant with, with you as my people. And so circumcision for many, many years was a sign that people were in covenant with God. We call them Christians today. If, if, you know, I'm a God person. I'm circumcised. Say, why God chose that? Ask one of those Bible scholars, because I'm sure they know exactly why that all happened. But, but, but they kept pressing it. So Jesus comes on the scene, and he wants to simplify things. Say amen. <laughs> he wants to simplify things, and they keep pressing circumcision. They keep pressing circumcision. You must be circumcised. Even after Jesus was born, lived, died, and resurrected, and the Holy Spirit had come to earth to illuminate the, the people about the ways of God. And the apostles and the prophets had the anointing to teach the word of God. Then still, religious leaders who refused to move to the next thing that God was doing kept trying to put that thing on everybody. Say, it's good enough to believe in Jesus. That's great. Jesus is wonderful, but you must be circumcised. And it was a big deal in the church. And so Paul in Colossians 2.11 says this, when you came to Christ, you were circumcised. But not by a physical procedure. 
Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your sinful nature. And that's all God was, was, was proving in the Old Testament was it's a sign of covenant. And by the way, until your sinful nature is cut away by the blood of Jesus and by profession of your faith, by receiving the, the grace that God gives by the faith you extend, you, you're not saved, you're not a Christian, and that sinful nature has not been cut away from your stony heart. It's when you accept Jesus that a supernatural thing called forgiveness of sin and changing of nature takes place. I'm glad for that. That makes it real simple. Seminal philosophies today, they're all over the place thinking. How about you, you, you're not saved unless you're filled with the Spirit and speak in tongues. You're not saved. It's a philosophy. How about a philosophy of this? You're not saved unless you're baptized in Jesus' name only or baptized in a certain kind of water. Like it has to be natural water. It can't be water out of the faucet. But water out of the faucet comes from the natural water, I think. I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not a geologist. I'm not sure, but I think it's the same river or well. It's when I first got here, I was just a young pastor. I didn't know much. I'm sitting in a little office all by myself. The phone would ring, and I was so excited. Somebody's calling the church. <laughs> Man called me one day. He said, "Son," he said, "What kind of water are you baptizing in?" I mean, talk just like that. Big deep voice said, "Well, uh, uh, I didn't know." I had never been asked that question, so I said, well, I just turn on the faucet in the baptistry, and then we baptize people. He said, he said uh, unacceptable. <laughs> unacceptable. It's got to be free-flowing water in a stream. False philosophy to rob us. Man, look, I would have baptized anybody with a, with a cup of water. I had to take the paint cans and the wood out of the baptistry and clean it and get ready for somebody to get saved to be baptized. I didn't care what it was all about. I don't care what kind of water. I baptize you in lemon juice. It makes no difference. I would just baptize. Come on. You, you understand what I'm saying? I'm telling you, these philosophies, you're not saved unless you do a lot of works. Here we go. Oh, my. You're not saved unless you do a lot of works. But yet the Bible tells us in Ephesians 2 that we're saved by grace, not by works, lest any man should boast. It is a free gift from God. You don't do works to get saved, but I'm going to tell you something right now. Once you get saved, your heart is to do works. It's a totally different ball game. And so what does that mean if you're not doing any kind of works? Stay tuned when we get to the book of James. We'll teach you about that. For faith without works is dead. We're not going to tell you when that is, but you just come on. It'll be here. What it really is saying is I'm going, to, I'm going to get sanctification before justification, which means I'm going to clean up my life before I get right with God. So many, there are some of you in this room right now, you come to church and you're saying in your mind, if I can just stop that or if I can just start this, then I will come to God and it will be all right. And I've got good news for you. And this is great news, by the way. You ain't got to do nothing except humble yourself to your God and he will take you with all of your stuff and then he'll sort it out. That's called sanctification. Justification is being set right in God by faith in Jesus Christ. And sanctification is letting the Holy Spirit clean up your old life. 
So if you got all your addictions with you and all your junk, you know, and all that hidden stuff and secret stuff since you were 12 years old and it's all hanging on you and you got baggage hanging on you, just, just drag yourself up to the altar of God and just, just look pitiful. <laughs> just drag it on up. Like you can't surprise God with your stuff. When he unpacks your bags, he's not going to say, Whoo, I never saw that before. We're talking about philosophies. And then there's false teachings. There's doctrinal issues that go on in the 16th verse. So don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink. Come on, amen. Cajuns say amen to that. Like, Leave me alone here. I saw in a store in, in Louisiana the other day, tiny baby alligators, whole in the meat section. Get on out with your bad self. Hey, don't knock it till you try it. It might be good. Certain, certain foods that you're drinking are, are for, for not celebrating certain holy days or new moon ceremonies or Sabbaths. Big fuss about the Sabbath. For these rules are only shadows of the reality to come and Christ himself is that reality. You know what it is? Christ is your Sabbath rest. Don't let anyone condemn you by insisting on pious self-denial or the worship of or with angels saying they have had visions about these things. Their sinful minds have made them proud and they are not connected to Christ, the head of the body. Examples of this is teaching that floats around and has been for many years, just changes the, the name of it. There is no hell, there is no devil. Well, I would think that the devil who is the great deceiver who would love people to think that there is no devil and that there is no hell. And there are great teachings by great men who are much more intelligent than I am who write books and tell you that there is no hell. It used to be called ultimate reconciliation, which means simply this, that everybody ultimately will be reconciled back to God. So none of this stuff in Christ counts, basically. So Jesus didn't know what he was saying when he said, broad is the place, broad is the trail that leads to everlasting damnation, and there many people go there, but narrow is the way that leads to eternal life. Evidently, Jesus didn't know what he was talking about. He talked more about hell than heaven, and now we've got men saying, don't even say the word hell in church. They call it the H word. Another false teaching digging on us is there are many ways to God. There's many ways to God. Allah is a way to God. Buddha is a way to God. Her Christian is a way to God. Self-reflection is a way to God. Uh, all meditation, and transcendental meditation and transformation, all these things, all, all you got to do is this. That we all serve the same. We all serve the same God. That ain't true. Come on now. We, we got to get ourselves straight on this, folks. Jesus is our God. The lie that goes today is there was no virgin birth. Jesus was not born of a virgin. There was no sinless life of Jesus. He was a good historical figure, a prophet even, and a good teacher of good things, but he was not God in a man's body. 
He was no sinless life. There is no atoning death on the cross, and there was sure no resurrection of Jesus. But I want to tell you this with full confidence today that there is only one Jesus. His name is Jesus Christ. He was born in Nazareth. He was raised up in a perfected life. He died a perfect death, and sin, and, and, and he, he shed sinless blood on the cross for you and I, and that is the only thing that covers our sins. There is absolutely nothing else that covers your sin, and there is no other way to come to God the Father except through Jesus Christ, his one and only Son. All right? Now, that's not complicated. That sounds pretty simple to me, right? Decide. Quit trying to think there are many ways. You know, when we travel, we've got Ethel and Ronald, our GPSs. One's got a lady's voice, one's got a man's voice. I like the man's voice. He seems to be more decisive, but I'm not sure. <laughs> and so Jan, Jan, Jan's like, sort of like a throwback sometime, like she used to run the maps when we would drive all over the nation. She'd run the maps, you know, and now we got the GPS. But she's on her GPS with, 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 with Ethel, and they talking on the other side of the car, figuring out a better way than what Ronald is saying. <laughs> And finally, sometimes I just have to take authority in the car and say, we're going to listen to Ronald. No matter where he takes us, I trust him. He's never failed me yet. And I'm going to tell you right now, there's all kind of voices in the wind, but there's only one voice that can save you from sin. His name is Jesus. Quit listening to everything else and start listening to just Jesus. That's if you can hear him, but there's so many of you, you can't hear God, and you're sitting there, and you're, you're just sitting there right now, and you're lost in your mind, and your mind's running, and you don't want to stop and just think and say, I don't know God. I can't hear God. You keep telling me to follow Jesus, but I can't hear him. I know that, because I know how hard it is to hear the voice of God. Now, some people, they hear the voice of God, man, like, like just boom, and God just talked to them all day long, like, like God's just said, hold on, universe. And he just constantly. <laughs> then there's humanism. We're talking about philosophies. Humanism is an outlook or a system of thought attaching prime importance to human beings rather than God. Humanistic thinking. Colossians 2.20. You have died with Christ. And he has set you free from the spiritual powers of this world. So why do you keep on following the rules of the world, such as don't handle, don't taste, don't touch? Such rules are mere human teachings about things that deteriorate as we use them. These rules may seem wise because they require strong devotion, pious self-denial, and severe bodily discipline, but they provide no help in conquering a person's evil desires. In other words, they're actions without power. The power of God comes from Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit. Any man-made traditions like what to wear, what to eat, and Pastor Jordan did a good job telling me about worship styles. You know, some think if it's not contemporary, it's not worship. Others think if it's not out of a hymnal, it's not worship. Others say it's got to be a scripture chorus. And every word has got to have Bible verse and reference to it. And everybody, and there's some with instruments and some with not instruments and some a, a little mixture. And maybe acapella, but maybe acoustical, but don't put an electric cord on that guitar. 
Some are lights and some are not lights. Some like soft lights. Some like fluorescent lights. Some like only natural light. And all these worship styles and people are fussing and fighting over this while the world's going to hell. You know, what they that worship God must worship him in spirit and in truth. In spirit and truth. So I'm telling you, and you're right, Jordan, those guys had the anointing on them Friday night. I'm telling you what, they made me look back to the day I got saved and they gave me courage to look forward to the day of redemption. It was tremendous what they did. A Southern Gospel Quartet. In the same way that you can hear a, a lady singing a corner a cappello, an anointed word from God that will transform your heart in a moment of time. You see, it's not about the styles of worship. It's about the condition of your heart. Are you spiritual? And do you have truth? Then there's sensationalism in there. That's appealing to the human senses. In other words, more natural than spiritual. In other words, tell me what I want to hear. Your best life yet. It's getting better. Even though you know it's getting worse. It's getting better for some. It's getting worse for others. I pastor this church. I know some of you are on a mountaintop. Some of you are in a valley. Some of you are climbing up the, the hill. Some of you are sliding down the hill. Some of you are prospering. Some of you are worried. Some of you are trying. Some of you are not. Some of you seem to have got the blessing of the Lord. It's like we laughed yesterday. Jan said she prayed for LSU when they were losing 20 to nothing. <laughs> they came back. Great victory. You know what I told her? I was kind of napping on the couch. I opened one eye. I said, I don't think God likes Auburn. I don't know. You know, is that, is that, is that what we do now? <laughs> you know, we were just joking, of course. But then maybe not. Maybe God does love LSU. I'm not sure. But the point of the matter is, it's always sensational. Just wait, just do this. Just your blessing is on the way. Well, I wish you'd hurry up and show up because I sure am having to extend faith right now. Well, maybe it's because God wants you to extend faith. Maybe God wants to stretch you. Maybe God wants to mature you. Maybe God wants to use physical things to show you that your hope is in Christ and him alone. Maybe God's trying to sanctify you and, and so that he can glorify you one day. Maybe that's what God has in mind. Maybe it's not about our comfort. Isn't it amazing how the church doesn't clap when they should clap? My point is made. Sensational. <laughs> sort of like a drunk falling off a bar stool, real slow. <laughs> so watch this. The way, the truth, and the life. Jesus said this. He says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Colossians 2.13. You were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ. For he forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. You see, Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Isn't that right? 
everything minus Jesus is nothing. The Spirit of God has taught us that we are to use the things of this world but not abuse them. They are passing away temporal things. Money is to just flow through our hands. We, we make it to stay alive. A house is to keep us out of the weather. A car is to get us from one place to the next. Use them. Use them up. They're tools to get us to eternal life. Jesus is the way, the only way, the only way to everything. Now, now, now the wrong equation leads you to the wrong answer. In this case, the wrong equation leads you to eternal separation from God. This is real, folks. Please understand that we don't stand up and proclaim this to you because it's our job. We are proclaiming this to you because it is truth and it will come to pass in principle the way we're saying it. I don't know how God is going to judge all of mankind, but I do know that God is going to judge all of mankind. I don't know where mercy ends and judgment begins, but I know the day is coming where mercy will end and judgment will begin. Colossians 3, verse 1. Since you've been raised to new life with Christ, with Christ, Set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ who is your life is revealed to the whole world, you're gonna share in all of his glory. You know what this is telling me? I know it don't look the way it looks. I know, think, oh, well, you know, he's not so rich. He's not so, he's not so smart. He don't bear it. But I'll tell you what, when Christ arrives and we who are in Christ will be revealed, we're going to share in his glory. Then the 10th verse. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free, Christ is all that matters and he lives in all of us. Do you understand what he's saying here, folks? He's, you know... All the, God's not Baptist, God's not Pentecostal, God's not Episcopal, God's not full gospel, God's not, not charismatic, God's not, he, he's, God's not white, God's not black, God's not Chinese, God's not any kind of Asian or African, any, God's not, <laughs> Christ is in every believer. So let's throw down the weapons of warfare against each other. And let's pick up the weapons of warfare against the one who's trying to take you to hell. Folks, one last thought. The Apostle Paul said this. He said, I am crucified with Christ. 
Nevertheless, I'm still alive. But the life that I'm living right now, I'm living by faith in the Son of God who gave himself for me. Every believer is living the life of faith. And faith is the only way to connect to our unseen God who is real, more real than what we can see. It's faith, folks. Let's bow our heads together for just a moment. I want to make this very, very simple to you. I'm only a messenger. I'm not up here judging you or, or even taking a preeminent seat and, and condescending to you who maybe don't know the Lord. But I'm going to tell you that I've been on both sides of the ledger and on the side of Jesus is better. I've got some of the same trials and troubles I had before I came to Christ. I still have them now. Some of the same challenges. But Jesus gives strength. But more than that, the blood of Jesus will forgive you of your sins. It doesn't matter what you have done. It doesn't matter how far down you have gone. It doesn't matter what you feel about yourself right now. It only matters what Jesus says. And he says this. Why don't you come to me if you're burdened down with sin and problems and lostness and disconnection? Why don't you just go ahead, surrender to me, and I'll take your life, and I'll help you live the God kind of life. There's so many of you in this room right now, you really have never connected to the Lord, and God has given you an opportunity right now, and this is the way we're going to do it. While every head is bowed and every eye is closed, and people are praying and reflecting on what was said today. If you're sitting there and you say, Pastor Van, I do not know Jesus. I have not been forgiven of my sins. Or at one time I was walking with him, but I've turned my back on him to such a degree that I don't even know. I have no assurance of eternal life. I'm just not sure, but I want to be sure. I want to come into the kingdom of God. I want to get into the family of God today. I want to surrender to Jesus. If that's you, I'm going to pray with you right where you are, and I want you to lift your hand up right now. Just put it up in there and say, Pastor, will you pray for me? I need Jesus Christ. There's a hand there. Thank you. Come on. Come on. Right there. Yes, there, 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 there. Yes. Come on. Come on. Over here. Yes, thank you. Right over here. Thank you. Come on now. I mean, this is it. This is the real thing. This is not a joke. This is not a religious activity. This is beginning a relationship with God who will change everything about your life if you let him. If you cooperate with him, it's that simple. So right now, even if you didn't raise your hand, but you say, Pastor, I, just, I need Jesus. Let's pray together. Come on, just follow me. Pray your own prayer. Just, I'm just going to help you by saying, Father in heaven, I thank you that you're real, that you know us, you love us. You care about every life, every person sitting in every chair in this room. I'm asking you to forgive me of my sin, God, and cut away this old sinful nature, this thing that's always been in me that's caused me to choose other things rather than you. I surrender my life to you, Lord God. I'm not sure, I'm, I don't understand everything, but I just know that I need something more than just myself and people. Forgive me, Lord. Come touch my life. Come save me and change me. I confess you as my Lord today. I believe that you rose from the dead. And I trust you for my eternal salvation right now. In the name of Jesus.
Say amen and amen and amen. Come on, can we thank the Lord right now? If you just made that decision, let me be the first to say congratulations. The decision to follow Christ is just the beginning of your relationship with God, and we'd love to help you with your next few steps. If you'll text the word SAVED to 51660, we want to send you a link to our website that'll explain a little more about the decision you just made and give you some steps to take so that you can grow in your new relationship with God. We're one church in multiple locations. We have a campus in Gulfport, Wiggins, and in Long Beach, Mississippi. If you're in one of those areas, we'd love to see you at one of our live services. You can visit our website, northwood.tv, for service times and directions. If you'd like to give to this ministry, you can do that online as well. Just go to northwood.tv slash give, or you can text the amount you'd like to give to 228-215-3421. Again, that's 228-215-3421. Standard data rates and text charges may apply. Thanks for joining us today. We'll see you next time.